Welcome to the Glenn Merzer Show. I'm your host, Glenn Merzer. You can find us for the audio version at realmeneatplants.com. And the YouTube version is at the Glenn Merzer Show on YouTube. My special guest today is my new friend, Shane Martin, who is the founder of the Shane and Simple website and blog. And Shane, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me again. <laughs> Shane said again because we had mm -hmm. we had a technical foul up the first time. Um, mm. Shane, I got to tell you, your website and blog is one of the best I've ever seen in the uh, in the plant based space. Uh, I don't know how you put it together so well and so quickly, but tell us how you did that. Well, it wasn't quickly, I assure you. Um, and I appreciate that because I, I, uh, I look at a lot of people's websites that I follow and I feel like mine's pretty, um, pretty juvenile compared to theirs. Um, I, I, I felt like, so when I started the blog, um, about six years ago, five and a half years ago, the end of 2017, um, I'd experimented with a lot of different. I'd always wanted to blog just because I love to write and talk. And when I ended up going vegan back in 2013, uh, when I started to get healthy and lose weight, a lot of friends and family were asking uh, what I was doing. So I really wanted to start the blog as more of a journal for them to have a place to go. And then when I started following bloggers and realizing, well, this is something that I could potentially do for a living. I got real passionate about food and how it affected my life. I started looking more into that. And of course I got into my own head about what I could call it. And, you know, before we got to Shane, everybody thinks Shane and simple just kind of came and that's where it started. But it's like, I went through three or four different uh, names for the blog, different themes, starting it and stopping I, I it. Re I remember Shane and Complicated. That wasn't good. And that Shane and Complicated didn't work. No. Um, Shane and Kind of Easy didn't work. No, it was yeah. it was interesting. Um, I had settled on a name called the Plant-Based Menu, and it wasn't that creative, and it wasn't, you know, catchy, but it was available in the domain search. and. And a friend of mine called me and said, um, if you're still thinking about doing this blog thing, he said, you know, it's your story that kind of draws people in and, you know, you like to be in front of people. And so you really need to kind of make this about who you are and not just a because they can go to any website and get food. Right. And and they said, you, you're just you're just a really you keep things really simple and just kind of your ingredients are plain. They're nothing fancy. And we thought, Oh, well the whole idea, it's just plain and simple. Well, Shane and plain rhyme together. So let's just call it Shane and simple and kind of stuck. And we kind of wanted the blog to mimic that and kind of mirror that there. So there's, you know, it's just kind of straightforward and it's clean. And, and that's, we're actually looking at doing a redesign, but not like over the top. But I mean, that's just, you know, it's just, I think it kind of just mimics who I am. I'm a simpleton. I don't, I don't like doing complicated. <laughs> I, you know, it's like I, if I'm in a conversation with someone, I'm like, don't be descriptive. Just answer the question I asked you. You know, my mom, it was so funny. I'd say, mom, how far is it from my, our house to my grandmother's house? 
you know, when we weren't living in Mississippi, she goes, well, you go up through here and you go through here. And I go, no, 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 no. How far, you know? And so, so I'm kind of a straight to the point kind of guy. And, right. and, uh, but that's kind of how it just happened. And, um, I feel like, you know, the, the whole idea of simplicity is helping people use what they have in their pantry or uh-huh. learning that it, it's not complicated to be healthy and being a vegan is not for the well-heeled elite, you know? And so mm-hmm. that's kind of, and then, so it started launched as Shane and simple, the end of 2017 with one recipe and it's just kind of grown since then. So, well, my wife and I have been enjoying the hell out of your banana blueberry pancakes. I got it. Oh, tell you. well, those are <laughs> well, good. That's one of the more popular recipes, and I love pancakes. I've got a bunch of pancake recipes. So. And and it's a nice and simple recipe. My wife claims that even I'll be able to make them, so we'll see. <laughs> I used to have a – that's funny that you mentioned that because I used to have a thing over in the side column where it has my little bio, and it's like the whole shtick of the the website was so simple. These recipes are so simple that even men can do it, you know, and my there wife was like, my wife was like, I don't know about that. So I took it off. But. Now I want to tell our listeners and viewers that uh, you have a couple of announcements we're going to make later in the show, some big news. We'll get yeah. to that later, but first let's get to know you. Sure. Where, where are you from? So I'm originally from a little town in Mississippi, right above uh, Tupelo, birthplace of the caring Elvis Presley. So I'm about 20 minutes north of where he's from little place in Boonville, Mississippi, but, um, I left when I was probably 16 and I, um, uh, was gone for about 30 years and, um, made our home in Charlotte, North Carolina, Mm -hmm. moved around quite a bit, had some stints in Georgia and Alabama, but Charlotte had just become our home. We love North Carolina and and then um, actually moved back to Mississippi about a year and a half ago, just to two kids were in college here and then just had some aging family that we had not been able to be around for a while. And because I do the blog and my wife is a freelance graphic designer, it just, the housing market was going crazy. So we were like, if we're going to do this, you know, we need to do it now. So we sold our house, moved back to Mississippi and, been renovating a house for the last year and a half and um we'll never do that again but um <laughs> so that's been are, are you handy so. yourself yeah i'm pretty handy i i like mm-hmm. to build things and and uh i've had to become way more handy than i ever thought but mm-hmm. yeah so i've um so we're kind of on the tail end of that renovation and trying to finish that up but um but yeah so originally from mississippi but kind of made our home in North Carolina and moved back to Mississippi for a season. That's where we are now. And uh, career wise, you're also a, a musician. I am. Uh, I was, I moved to Nashville back in 1993, was there for about 12 or 13 years. Uh, now it, it, during those 12 years in Nashville, did you ever meet anyone who wasn't in the music business? You know, surprisingly. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, you know, Nashville gets tagged as a music city and it is, it's called the music city and definitely my circle were musicians, but you'd be surprised at the number of people there that aren't musicians that just love the city and it's changed a lot. But I mean, yeah, I had a lot of friends that had nothing to do with music, but, um, 
but the majority of my friends did because that's what <laughs> I moved there for. So, right. but yeah, so I was there for 12 or 13 years. I toured as a guitar player with different country acts and contemporary Christian acts and then ended up eventually just kind of making my living as a session player where I played in the studio on recordings. And then, and then back in 2005, that's when we originally left Nashville and moved to North Carolina. And so I was a music director for a couple of churches for about 15 years. And so I would build their music programs and, and uh, that's kind of was my occupation until the blog took off and then stepped out of that to do the blog full time. Okay. And is music still part of your life? Do you still uh, gig or, uh, or, or, or record? Uh, yeah, occasionally. Um, I still will get people from time to time that will send, cause everything can be done over a computer now. Um, uh, recently is a few months ago, somebody sent me a track to play guitar on and I loaded it in my computer, set up my little interface, played the guitar parts, sent it back to them and they put it on a record. And mm-hmm. so I'll do stuff like that. Um, I mean, I've got some local musicians here that I like to sit with and play with. So, and all my kids are artistic or musical in some way. And so we have music going constantly. And so it's, I tell people like a, a musician is not something you learn to be. It's just kind of who you are. And, and so it's never going to not be, I don't play as much, but there's always music going. And, and um, when I started the blog, I had never owned a camera or considered myself a photographer. And I think the blog for me kind of became another creative outlet, like with the, taking with doing the photography. So I feel like my creative outlet now is staging and taking pictures of food, which I love to do. Right. Now you mentioned all your kids in there in one sentence. Um, Mm -hmm. I have seen pictures. There are five of them. Yeah. Five children. I I thought you were aware of that. It's (laughs) a, it's a beautiful family, five beautiful children and your lovely wife. Oh yeah. Um, and your daughter just graduated from college, right? Yeah, my oldest. Uh, she graduated from Mississippi State University, and my son is a sophomore there. But yeah, so last week was kind of an emotional week, and yeah, um, yeah, it's really interesting because we're, you know, we've had these five kids, and and uh, our two, like I said, our two oldest are in college, and I, I'm a. I'm a, I'm the crier in our family. I'm super emotional. I, you know, I'm the very, I'm super affectionate. And, and, um, I think six months before my oldest graduated high school, which we homeschooled at the time. And so when we had her big ceremony and I think for six months, I cried like a baby, just thinking about her going off to college. And, uh, my wife and I joke, I'm a pre griever. My wife is a post griever kind of, you know, and, (laughs) So we kind of helped balance each other, but, but it was really interesting. Yeah. So she graduated college last week and it was super busy and we had some family come in and I couldn't believe how different the college graduation was from the high school graduation, because now you're kind of learning to be the parent of an adult. And, you know, she's, mm-hmm. she's actually starting her adult job today. Wow. And, Congratulations. and so, yeah, so she's, you know, it's just, it's just interesting, you know? And so, um, I feel like she's becoming more like our friend and still our uh-huh. daughter, but getting in. So it's a great season. It's an exciting yeah. season. And, and, uh, but yeah, so she just graduated college and then we've got 
two in high school and then our youngest Millie Jane is still home. We still homeschool her. And, um, and then, but like I said, one college graduate and one in college. So it's, um, it's, it's, it's crazy, man. Yeah. But it's good. It's good. Crazy, but it's crazy. So, uh, tell us the story of how you, how and why you went plant-based and how many years ago that was. Yeah. So, uh, it would have been, 10 years ago, just this past January, it was two weeks before my 40th birthday. And I grew up, like I said, in Mississippi and was very athletic, actually went to college on a football scholarship. So I never struggled with being overweight or anything like that. And, and didn't, I mean, I guess I was considered healthy just by appearance, but you know, we grew up on what I call the sad diet, the Southern American diet. Um, you know, where here in the South, pork is a seasoning, you know, it's in everything. And, um, but after I got out of college and moved to Nashville and wasn't made to work out, that's when I gradually started to gain weight. And so I moved to Nashville, I weighed like 185 pounds. And by the time I was 26, I got married when I was 26. And by the time I got married, I weighed 240 pounds. Wow. And then started working in the church. And then about 10 years ago, got up to almost 300 pounds and was struggling with diabetes. And how, how tall are you, Shane? About 6'1". Six 6'1", one. Six one, not quite tall enough for 300 pounds. No. And my family had had a history of just stroke, diabetes, heart attacks, and and why and, do you, you know, think you, all that weight was coming on? Were you eating differently than before? Oh, I just, I'm a foodie. So I just was, I wasn't that I was eating differently. I just was eating way more of it, not exercising, not, you mm -hmm. know, just, and I feel like I'm one of those people that have an addictive type personality. So when I find something I like, it's just, I over, I, I can overindulge and but it was like fruits and vegetables were not part of my diet. It was just meat, 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 potato chips, candy bars, you know, and working for a church Wednesday nights were like rehearsals or Thursday night. And so I usually would go to McDonald's and literally get like a Big Mac fries and a Coke and then either chicken nuggets or a filet of fish. And just that was usually, you know, a meal. And mm -hmm. so, um, so I got up to about 300 pounds and I, I remember one morning I woke up and I just felt terrible. I was starting to get staph infections a lot and urinate frequently. And that's when we found out that, yeah, you're, you're probably a diabetic and staph infections wouldn't heal. And I think kind of the turning point for me is I got one on my leg one time and I could hardly walk. And I remember going to Target to the pharmacy to get the antibiotic. And my leg hurt so bad that I had to get on one of those little motorized carts that you mm. typically see obese people on when they're doing their shopping. And I just realized I, some people have to sit in these things because life just happened. And I'm like, I'm sitting here because of the choices that I've made mm. by my lifestyle. And you were what, and about 39 or 40? Uh, 39. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, this is ridiculous. And so... I reached out to a friend cause I, I saw a friend of mine on, on a Facebook channel. He was telling his story and he had dropped like 80 pounds and got healthy and, 
I called a mutual friend of ours and I said, Hey, I, I saw him on Facebook. And they said, yeah, man, he went vegan. And I was like, well, I'm not doing that because my stereotype of vegans were unhealthy people that didn't take showers and lived in the woods and ate bark and grass all day, you know? And, and he said, man, just go watch forks over knives. And I kind of feel like forks over knives is for all of us that have transitioned to a plant-based diet for health. That was kind of our in- entry into that lifestyle. So my wife and I sat down January 19th of 2013 and watched the whole thing. And I think right then I went cold turkey. Like it just, I was convinced. And I think the thing that did it was for me, the thing that I loved about it, like I think documentaries like Earthlings and, and um, I think those things are so important, but for someone like me who wasn't, didn't come, didn't go vegan because of the ethical side of things or the climate side of things, it was for the health side of things. I felt like forks over knives, the science, it focused on diet and how food can heal and the types of foods. And, and it just, when I, when I realized foods that were plant-based, I was thinking, Oh, I think I could do this. And so we just kind of went cold turkey the next day and I found Rip Esselstyn and um, followed his cookbooks and and things like that. And let me interrupt you here. You said we did your wife go with you? Yeah, my wife. Yeah. And I would say and my wife at one time had thought about being a nutritionist because she'd always been fascinated with food and she was actually super healthy, like. She had had eaten some meat, but meat was not the major part of her diet. She ate salads and beans, and a primary Mm. part of her diet was already, like, healthy foods. So she wasn't eating McDonald's like you were? No. She might, like, if we traveled, you know, it was common. We'd stop and get a chicken sandwich or something like that. But it was like she wasn't – it was by no means a major part of her lifestyle like it was mine at all. Mm -hmm. And as a matter of fact – if she had never had to visit a fast food restaurant, she would have been more than happy, you know? And Mm so, um, but at first we looked at it as a diet. And so the first couple of weeks we said, this is daddy's food. This is everybody else's food. But we'd had two kids that were already on soy milk because they had dairy allergies when they were born. So they just, my son and one of my daughters grew up on soy milk, never had dairy of any kind. And then my wife and I were like, this is just ridiculous. Like there is no reason for us to be, it's going to be expensive to try to separate this. So we just said, we're all going to do it as a family. And how did your five kids feel about that? um, Well, our youngest knew nothing but that. So she Mm -hmm. kind of came in when we started and the younger ones uh, when we figured out ways to make pizzas without cheese and things like that, they were they were actually okay. The older ones were like, I want to say, um, you know, they were more um, like eleven and nine, so they had been used to that. But when we just we talked to them about it and said, you know, we're doing this for daddy, and you know, we included them in the conversation. We taught them how to shop. We'd give them money and we'd let them go to the grocery store and pick out one thing that they like. So trying to teach them how to shop. So, and we, we tried not to be so militant about it from the standpoint of, 
if they went to a friend's house for a birthday party, we kind of took more of a McDougal approach in the sense that if that's all there's there, you know, have a piece of cake. We're just not going to make every day cake day, you know, so trying to be winsome. And, but when we were in the house, that's the, that's the way we ate. And they noticed how much better they felt. They noticed Mm -hmm. how much healthier I was. And so, um, we, that we kind of tried to, that's kind of how we got them on board. And so, um, but I mean, it, it had its challenges like everything else. And it was even challenging for me because I was learning to cook a different way and eat a different way. And, and so we just felt like the, the best thing we could do is be honest with them and say, Hey, mom and dad struggle with this too. And until you kind of get into your routine and it just becomes an everyday part of life. But overall it wasn't, I tell people it wasn't, and at some point we just had to say, Hey, we're the parents, you're the kid. You're going to do what we tell you to do. You know, that's like, this is not a negotiation. Not enough you know? parents say that. Yeah. We're not, we're not short order cooks. You know, we're not your buddies right now. This is what we're going to do. And you just have to do it because you're here, you know? Right. So <laughs> sometimes that was the conversation, but. Um, so how long did it take you before you started to see results? Uh, the first, um, Man, the first week I I could tell because I was, you know, I was, I was super overweight and I was eating a ton of calories. I remember the first, the first week was the hardest just because you're changing your diet, you're changing your palate and you're trying to break a lot of habits. But I think in the first week, I think I dropped like eight pounds or 10 Uh pounds, something like that, just because I'd cut so much oil and fat out of my diet. Um. But I want to say in the first two and a half, three weeks, I dropped like almost 20 pounds Uh and I could just tell like, wow, that, what a, that was just great. But the first, but within the first three months, I dropped 55 pounds. So 55 pounds in three months. And how far did your blood pressure drop? Yeah. So before I started, my blood pressure was 153 over 106. My cholesterol was over 400 had a fatty liver, A1Cs were terrible. Um, and after three months, we had a physical for life insurance. My blood pressure, I went from, I went from 281 down to 226 in three months. And my blood pressure went from 153 over 106 to 126 over 79. And Cholesterol. cholesterol. The cholesterol was the big one. It went from over 400 down to 199. Wow. And so, and then things in, just in continued three to months. Improve. But that was three months. Wow. Yeah. And so for me, that was the game changer. That was, I was hinging everything on that. I was like, I want to see if what they're telling me on Forks Over Knives and the Esselstons and the T. Colin Campbells of the world, if this really works. And if nothing has changed, I'm done. And so when I saw that, I went sold. I'm done. Yeah. Uh, I'll never go back. So now, now as you discovered that this diet works so well and is so healthy and is such a natural way for human beings to live, what did you think about the whole earlier part of your life when you were eating meat and everybody else is eating meat? Did you think, are we all living in a, in a, in a, you know, in a myth, in a fantasy that we should be, that we eat animals and the whole thing is just a a, a national delusion? 
or international delusion? Um, I would say probably within the first year of me doing what I was doing, I would say probably not that mindset. It was probably more of, I wish I had known this earlier for me. Uh huh. Um, and I think I still had some of the, everybody's got to do what's right for them because, you know, uh-huh. like I think, you know, you and I talked, I, um, I'm not a person that does moderation very well. I'm uh-huh. an all or nothing type person. My wife, on the other hand, she can nuance things and she does moderation very well. And so like, for instance, when, before we started eating this way, if we go to a restaurant and eat, the reason she never had like sweet tea, iced tea or cokes or anything like that is one she just didn't like them but she would say look if i'm going to eat any calories that are useless calories i'd rather have chocolate cake than a coke you know so she kind of thought that way i'm like give it i want it all you know that kind of thing and but um as i got more into it after the my first year and just really seeing how it affects everything um then I kind of adopted more of that mindset of like, this is, this is a no brainer. Like, why are we hearing, like, if you like one of the most unhealthiest places in the world to eat is a hospital. Right. You see what they bring you or the restaurants they have. And and so what I couldn't figure out is, are we just ignorant? Do we know these things and we're trying to hide them because we want to keep people sick, you know? And it's like, I've never considered myself to be one that was a conspiracy theorist. But I'm growing more and more cynical <laughs> and closer to that every day. You know, it's like, but yeah, so I really started to wonder, like, this has been, this isn't, this is not even questioned by medical science anymore. No, you know, this is and fact. It's fact. And so why are we not making this a part of medical training and part of hospitals and part of, you know, and it's, and so I, I just, And I do think there is a legitimate cluelessness that exists. Like my son had a physical when we lived in Charlotte, when he was like in the seventh, eighth grade, we took him for one of his annual physicals. And I remember the doctor coming back with his results. And he said, you have a super healthy son, dad. He goes, and he actually used the words abnormally healthy. And he asked him, he said, what do you do? Do you play a lot of sports? How you eat? And my son said, "Uh, we follow a plant-based diet at home. And immediately the doctor went from he's abnormally healthy to go, okay, well, let's just be safe. Let's run some B12 test and vitamin Uh D test and protein test. I'm like, but you have everything in front of you. And so I think for him, it's just, he's just kind of going off protocol and what he's learned. But so, yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely become more of, I just, I don't get it. Like that came kind of later. You know, but this works like early on. It was this worked for me. It may not work for you. But then I was like, no, this works for everybody. You know, now now you're from a small town in Mississippi, a fairly rural area. Right. Uh, Do you do you know people? Have you had friends in the animal agriculture business? Um, not right now. Now, I will tell you, my great grandfather worked in a slaughterhouse. That's uh-huh. what he retired from doing. So growing up, we always had a refrigerator stock full of bologna and hot dogs and processed meats of any kind, you know. But mm-hmm. um, but around here, people more or less consume the animal products. There, You don't see a lot of – there are animal – they're like chicken farms throughout the state and things like uh-huh. that. But 
not really close to where I'm at. So I don't really okay. know anyone that works in that industry here. Uh-huh. Right. Um, I guarantee if I found out we'd have conversations, you know, I mean, right. but, but I, I haven't either. They, they do exist and they haven't told me that or right. I just, but yeah. You know, I've seen images of what they called poultry farmers, chicken farmers, and they have these warehouses, you know, with mm-hmm. 10,000 chickens in them. Yeah. And I think, how is this farming exactly? They they go in at night, they take out the dead chickens, uh, they try to clean up the area. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, when I think of farming, I think of growing food. Yeah. So thanks to the farmers, we have more food. But when you're in the animal agriculture business, we get less food because they yeah. feed the grains to the cows, to the chickens, to the pigs, and we wind up with less food. Yeah. So I, I kind of feel bad for people who are in this business, but I, I think they're not really farmers. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, so growing up in the little town I grew up in, a lot of the and we did grow up eating a lot of fruit and ve- a, fruit, a lot of vegetables like green beans, black eyed peas, okra, um, squash, and things like that because my grandparents their property was about five acres mm-hmm. the, the, where their house was. And their garden was probably two acres of that. And so we would say, sorry, there's dogs fighting out in my yard. <laughs> um, um, but so you could kind of say, and my granddad had goats and chickens and ducks and pigeons and, he really was a what you would call a husbandman of his of his animals like he did he wasn't one of these that raised animals to slaughter like he uh-huh. had chicken so when we did grow up eating eggs the eggs came from the hens and uh-huh. you know and goats were a lot of time used for goat milk but you weren't keeping the goats pregnant all the time you know and and I, you know, and I, I hate to say this, but I think for the sake of transparency, just because we're having a conversation, I mean, you know, I, I had seen growing up when it was time, there was a pig that was raised specifically that was going to provide the bacon and the sausage. Um, But that was not an everyday thing. That was a once a year thing. And I never saw my granddad take quote unquote pleasure in it. But growing up in the South, especially when you grow a lot of what you eat, those things are just commonplace. And so, um, but, you know, slaughtering animals like you see in these slaughterhouses and for, for corp, for, for animal agriculture, what it is now, he honestly would have been appalled. Like he tended his animals, he tended his stock, he tended the garden and, took care of the animals was out there every day with them. And it wasn't a pleasurable thing to, to, to have to do this. It's like they either survive or we survive. And so, and that's not really the argument right now. It's like, you're right. It's like they're feeding all the grains and all the food to the, so they can grow the animals. And we even know now that they're even having to give cows B12 supplements because there's no minerals 
in the right. where they're where they're where they're grazing, and so it's just completely different than what it was. And it's not about farming anymore. And as a matter of fact, you can almost make the argument that farmers are a dying breed because their land's just being consumed by um animal agriculture. And I'd almost make the case, and this may be another topic for another time, but you can almost make the case that people like Bill Gates and others that are buying up all this land to make these fake meats are not helping them out anymore because it's like they're, they're running out of land to farm, to grow vegetables and to grow, you know, and then you got Monsanto moving in and, you know, taking over and claiming trademark infringement because the pollination carries it over to an organ. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy and it's absolutely sad. And so um, I almost liked it better the first year I was vegan when I was ignorant of this, you know, because sometimes ignorant is bliss. But then you get awakened to this and you're going, yeah, our food situation is in deep doo doo. Yeah. You know, I we, mean, we not- just we need to encourage small organic farms, plant based. Yes. You know, Supporting local CSAs and things like yes. that. Yeah. Yeah. Support your local farmers at your local farm markets if you have one yes yes absolutely um and so how many pounds did you lose ultimately about a hundred hundred pounds yeah and do you keep monitoring your cholesterol and other health metrics uh you know i'd love to tell you i go to the doctor every year but i don't (laughs) but you don't yeah i mean i'm i mean i don't really I mean, I did. I mean, you know, when I first lost all the weight, I was going to the doctor all the time just because I loved seeing the numbers, you know, but it's like, I mean, I just, I just turned 50 this year. So at some point I'll probably go and, and, you know, and two, it's like you, you have it with Dr. McDougall and some of these other doctors who say, if you sent something wrong, go and then get treatment. But then, you know, and it's like, then you got to weigh all that out, but I'm not anti-doctor at all. You know, um, I actually have, my brother's a nurse practitioner. I've got two cousins that are doctors. And so a lot of my medical treatment comes from picking the phone up and go, Hey, what do you think about this? And they're like, dude, quit calling me. You know, it's like, so, um, but no, I don't really, I have no, I mean, I wear an Apple watch when I exercise and follow my blood pressure and things like that. And it's like, I can't imagine it's going to be too far off and it always operates in the healthy range. So I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't change. I haven't changed anything. So I have you spoken to your two cousin doctors about your health transformation? Oh yeah. They were there on the front end. Like uh, it's funny because the one cousin is my first cousin was my dad's nephew. And then my other cousin is his son who became a doctor. And so, um, yeah, I mean, they and it's interesting because my cousin's son became an, an um, endocrinologist because he was a type 1 diabetic, got diagnosed when he was like 10 years old. So he works with a lot of diabetic patients, and he eats fairly healthy. And he actually tells people if you, that are type 2 diabetics, he said, um, he tells them, he said, I can help you get rid of your diabetes right now. He said most people just, they're not willing to change their lifestyle. and 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 so to hear that from him as a doctor acknowledge that you know it's a lot of its lifestyle and um i mean they're very supportive i mean they're like i wish more of my patients would <laughs> you know get on board 
right. you know. So it is amazing to me that people are so resistant to changing their lifestyle with their own lives at stake. You know, people will do anything for the, for their families. I'm sure you would do anything for your five sure. kids. But but if you kept eating the way you were eating, you knew you weren't going to be there for them. Yeah. And so you did this for yourself, but you also did it for them. Right. And what amazes me is that other people don't seem to see that. <laughs> they, they're unwilling to make that switch, not only for their own health, but for their families. Well, and I think, you know, and I've thought about that. And I think the more that I'm around people and it seems like the conversation just becomes, you know, they say, well, that's just right. Everybody wants to talk about moderation, moderation. I'm, and I just go, you wouldn't play Russian roulette in moderation. You mm -hmm. know, would you play Russian roulette once a week as opposed to seven days a week? <laughs> and you probably wouldn't. And, and I like Dr. Esselstyn's. He said, you know, a lot of people call this way of living extreme, but he said, within the course of the next year, people are going to have an artery removed from their leg and put into their heart. He goes, but some might call that extreme, you know, when you can just, um, and I do think some of it's education. And for me, it was, I mean, I didn't realize what you could eat this way and that it's not limited. It's pretty much limitless what you can do with food. And, mm -hmm. but I do think that when you talk to people about, and some of it's just re-education. I mean, I hate to say it that way, but it's, it's, that's what it is because, you know, telling people that you've got to cut right now, telling people you need to cut out oils and you can eat good carbohydrates like whole grains and breads and things like that. That completely goes against what people are being fed on a broader scale every day. You know, they're told keto, paleo, high fat, low carb, high fat, low carb, you know, Atkins diet. And that seems to be the one that has stuck around for a while, but I can't tell you how many people on a daily basis go, I need more protein. I need more protein. I'm like, if, I mean, it just, I just want to say, but nobody is suffering from, protein malnourishment there mm. the hospitals have nobody suffering from a protein deficiency you know i mean and so you know trying to convince people that you know it's i i, I kind of relate it to my dad took flying lessons and he said the, the their instructors would tell them the number one reason pilots amateur pilots crash is because they don't trust their instruments when they learn to fly by instruments really? because uh, and a lot of times it's pilot error, meaning, you know, we want to trust our eyes, but if the instrument is telling you you're flying upside down, but your eyes are telling you, no, I'm okay. You brought, you better follow the instrument because you're going to continue to go down. And, and so I think a lot of times we're, we're fed this thing of what we see, what we see is high protein, low carb, high protein, low carb, eat your fats, eat your fats, you know, meat is good eliminate your bread. But when you can prove that that's not the case and you're being told you can go eat potatoes now, you can go white potatoes, not just sweet potatoes, eat all the potatoes, whole grain pastas, breads. That's what you need. Eat all the fruit you want. That's what you need. It's kind of like, no, I'm just going to continue eating the meat, you know? And, and so it's kind of like they're not wanting to follow the instrumentation or quote unquote, the science. And, right. 
And so I think it's just an issue of education and it's like, well, I don't want to take the oil out because how am I going to cook? And then I like the flavor and, you know, and it's like, okay, then don't, but don't tell me you want to get healthy anymore either. You know, right. and it's like, and I, th I think people also get confused because there, there are books written advocating the paleo diet and they do sometimes hear news that there's some bogus study somewhere that says that, that meat isn't so bad for you. And mm -hmm. people just throw up their hands and they say, well, I guess nobody understands nutrition. When the fact is that we understand it perfectly well, we know it like we know that hot air rises. Sure. We know that meat causes heart attacks. We've known it for 75 years. And, you know, it's the science is settled, but the culture keeps fighting it. Well, so and that people also... I mean, I think there's a lot of truth too that people love to have justification for their bad habits, regardless right. whether it's eating, lifestyle, or whatever. And so it's like I tell people if you can read a book that says, hey, eat all the meat and cheese you want, it's going to make you healthy. Well, who wouldn't want to hear that? Right. I mean, and I tell people all the time, I'm not going to say that I like I was a cheese holic. I loved cheese. And you know, I mean, I'm not going to say there's not moments I have remembering what, what it was like, but I don't have a desire to go back there. But, you know, I, I have the memory and that's kind of where it stops. But it's like if you can be told, hey, you can go eat all the meat and cheese you want. and It's great for you. Well, I mean, that's what people want to hear. And so and so, you know, people don't want to hear, hey, it's like Bill Maher said, he goes. The answer isn't another pill. It's like it's spinach, you know, it's right. like, <laughs> but that's not what we want to hear. How you do know? you feel about the vegan cheeses that are available today? Um, I would definitely not call them health food. I mean, cause they're not, I mean, they're loaded with oils and a lot of them are made with coconut oil, which right. that's probably the biggest snake oil that's ever been presented. Um, coconut oil is deadly st stuff. Now, here's yeah. the thing, though. You can't, there are vegan cheeses made without oil and made from nuts. Yes. And I allow myself to have some nut cheeses sometimes, and they can be delicious. Yeah. Now, I do, like on my website, I do have some cheese alternatives like uh, queso that's made with cashews. And, right. and uh, you know, I do a uh, garlic and herb cheese spread that's made mm -hmm. with almond flour. And, okay. um, I do a tofu ricotta, you know, and things like that. And I think those are fine even in, now that's when I would use the word moderation or like special occasions, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, yes, cashews are a whole food and avocados are, but you don't need to go eat in a pound of cashews every day and six avocados, right. you know, I mean, you can overeat right. on a plant-based diet, but, um, and I would be a hypocrite to say that I've never tried the vegan cheeses. Like, you know, I, that's when I say people go, well, what's your cheat meal? And I'm like, I don't really have a cheat meal. But, you know, I would say that, you know, when we've had a 4th of July gathering once a year with the whole family and they're cooking steaks and burgers and hot dogs, I will say there have been times where we'll go and grab some Beyond Burgers or some like an alternative because I say... I don't say they're health food. I just say they're less unhealthy than the meat counterpart because, right. well, there's no, at least there's no cholesterol, but it's just, for me, that's a way for us to participate with them. And, right. and, you know, but I tell, it's not, 
a normal part of our diet. We don't consider like we try to make everything that we eat in the home and and but as far as like the cheeses, unless you can find like a oil free nut based cheese, um I think it's great that there are non animal alternatives and if people are gonna engage in like they just don't need to be fooled into thinking they're eating healthy just because they're eating vegan food because that's right. that's that's not true. Right. I think one of the unfortunate things in, in our movement is that when you go to a grocery store now and then they're in the refrigerated section, there's like a vegan section often. Mm-hmm. And it's full of processed foods that are made with coconut oil. Yeah. And it, all you have to do is look at the nutrition information on the label, look for saturated fat. And if some product has eight grams of saturated fat per serving, you know, that's what I get in two weeks of eating. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to get eight grams of saturated fat in a serving. And sometimes what they call a serving might be something that the average person will have two servings. So then right. they're getting 16 grams of saturated fat. That that should come with an angioplasty, you know, so... <laughs> So um, this coconut oil thing is just a nightmare. And I I don't want listeners to think, okay, I'm going to go vegan. I saw lots of vegan products in the the grocery store. That's not what you rely on. You rely on the produce shelves. Mm -hmm. You rely on the fruits and vegetables and the whole grains. You don't rely on the processed vegan foods because most of them are not healthy. Yeah. It's always best I tell people to shop around the edges of the supermarket, like where your produce and things like that is. But yeah, I mean, it's like, and people should know that Oreos are vegan. Right. But you are no way in late potato chips, but you're not going to call those health foods. No. You know? And so, um, and it's the same thing. It's, I, I think, I, I think it's, when people ask me, do I see a benefit for vegan alternatives for like the burgers and the chickens and things like that? And I do say, I think, you know, from a, from an environmental standpoint, I think it makes way much, it makes much more sense to take grains and plant products. If you can make burgers and things like that, I do think there's the the benefit to the, to the agriculture side of that. Um, and anything we can do, do to decrease those products coming from animals from an environmental standpoint. But if you're, you're thinking that's going to make you healthy, it's, it's, it's by no means a, um, oh, it's not a way to reclaim your health. Because if you read the nutrition information, like you said, fat, calories, things like that, it's, it's not much different, if at all, from the animal counterpart. Yeah. And so now you live, you live in what's sometimes called the deep South Shane. What kind yeah. of, do you, do you get flack from a lot of people on your diet or are a lot of people uh, open to it? Um, it, um, you know, surprisingly, you know, I'm kind of like a, um, I want to say I'm, I'm kind of like a, um, I don't want to say like a circus attraction or something like that. Um, no, I, I found people are like when they find that, like 
coming back to my hometown, I'm running into people that knew me from when I was a kid or knew my family. Mm -hmm. But when they find out what I do for a living now, and it, it's, it's, it's actually, they're pretty inviting. Like, I would love to hear more about what you do. And there, and a lot of people have been open to it. Like I want to learn to cook. You know, I think that's the thing that holds me back learning to cook that way. And, um, so I, I don't find like you have some people that, you know, kind of like to poke fun at it, but not from a, a malicious right. point of view. I mean, they, they just think it's, Oh, you're that guy. And like, if friends around here call me and say, Hey, you want to go out to eat? They'll say, um, I don't know if there's anything there that you can eat. You know, there's a little meat and three up the road here and a real good friend of mine I've reconnected with. He'll go, I don't know if there's anything down there. I, said, I think I can find something. And they're always shocked. Like they may have a salad bar. So I'll eat off that. And then you usually order a big baked potato, you know, and, um, and a lot of times they get, they'll just kind of look because I'll order two big baked potatoes, you know, and, and I'll eat them skins and all, you know? And so, um, and if I'm going really crazy, I'll ask them to fix me a piece of toast <laughs> to go with it. Well, you like, do go wild. Shane. I go crazy. I go crazy. Like you only live once. Yeah. So, I mean, so, um, um, but yeah, I mean, as a whole, I mean, it's, it's, it's actually pretty encouraging and people are almost kind of like, oh, wow. He's kind of like the, the unique guy in town that does that. But I'm, I'm starting to realize there are a few people, like I'm real good friends with a doctor that's in the area now. He's a plant-based, he's a, a general practitioner, but he's treating people through uh diet. And that's actually how he found me because he'd been following the website for a few years oh, and a lot okay. of his patients use it. He, he was using it as a resource. Oh, that's and then beautiful. somebody, one of his patients reached out to him and said, I think this guy lives in Mississippi now. And so we've been getting together and working on trying to work on some projects together. So it's, it's, so I would say it's definitely more common obviously than it was, but yeah, I don't really, there's not really any resistance to it. You know? Great. Well, let's get to the announcements. Um, Shane, you're gonna you're gonna have a podcast yourself. Tell us about that. It looks that way. Yeah. Um, so it looks like, and we can announce dates and all that later on. But uh, it looks like I'm going to be joining you over at Real Many Plants, and being the new host of the Real Men Eat Plants podcast. So there you go. Welcome uh, to the Real Men Eat Plants umbrella of podcasts. Yeah, I am super, super, super excited. And you know, we're uh, we. I think the format's going to be a little different. Um, it's going to be exciting. It's going to cover a broad range of topics, and and so you know, we're still ironing all that out. And uh, as far as the date of the first podcast but um people should expect that in the very very near future and so yeah i'm super super excited and and uh really um need to publicly thank you because you're a large part of the reason that that's happening so well it's it's my pleasure and i know you're going to be a great resource for real men eat plants you know real men eat plants was founded by brian denstedt as a way to address the issue that men are a little more reluctant Absolutely. to, to, to become vegans and women mm -hmm. and uh, to go plant-based. And so uh, not every 
show will hit that angle. Not every, I don't talk about that very often, but um, uh, I think that you are an ideal candidate to hit that demographic of, of men who, like yourself, never would have considered going plant-based. And then you discover that it saved your life. Yeah. And I think the hope is for me is that I feel like I was fortunate. And so that it didn't go any further. And my hope is, is that men, I think the goal should be to help men transition before it's out of necessity. Like if that makes sense, like, like for me, it became a last ditch effort. And like, for some men that's too late. You know, it's like the first, like they say, the first signs of a heart attack is death, you know, I mean, and so, uh, you know, my goal is to try to help people transition before they get into that dire, I have no other alternative, you know, right. and it just makes the quality of life a lot better. So, so if let's you keep can our fingers start this as and, a child, start, start it as a child. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And what's and the, the other announcement? Well, the other announcement, Shane, is we are going to do a book together. That's at right. At least one book. Oh, yeah. And, and we don't know yet exactly when it'll come out, but hopefully by the end of the year. And I think it's going to be a fun book. And it will have. I think it's going to be a fun book. <laughs> it will have some of your recipes. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I, I hope it'll make a splash. Yeah, I think it will. I'm excited about it. It's a great yeah. idea. But. So uh, those are the only announcements that I know of, but that's that's two pretty big ones. I um, think so, yeah. Uh, any, any news or anything you want to discuss about the uh, Shane and Simple blog and website? Yeah, just, uh, just check it out. Go and... Um, People can sign up to be on your newsletter. Yes, right? people can subscribe. The website is completely free. There's no, um, there's no cost to join. All the recipes are free. Um, and I've got to say, Shane, I, I, because I'm in the field here, I sometimes sign up for uh, with your colleagues out there who have food blogs, and I subscribe, and then maybe. I don't know, once a month or twice a month, I get an email with a recipe and I, oh, that's nice. You send out these beautiful emails with sometimes 20 recipes or more and pictures. And it's just, it's the <laughs> the most uh, professional uh, blog operation I have seen and emails. Well, you're very kind. I appreciate it because it feels like an uphill battle sometimes, but... <laughs> So, appreciate it. Yeah. so folks, please go to go to shaneandsimple.com and sign up uh, and you will get uh, a heck of a lot of access to recipes yeah, and, and cooking videos, can, cooking videos and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, the cooking videos are coming. We're actually working on um, finalizing a few more videos and we're going to get the uh, YouTube channel launched and and I want to tell people that the unique thing, it's not just going to be where we're cooking. I mean, I think the one of the things we want to try to do is we're not going for polished. We we Because that's not the world people live in. And so I feel like the the difference in what we're doing is definitely going to have more of a, a live feel of, hey, we're doing this in real time. 
to kind of show you these are the ingredients I'm using. This is my fridge, you know, because everybody's always sending me pictures of the recipes they make of my stuff. And they go, hey, man, it was delicious, but it didn't look like your photograph. And I'm <laughs> like, when I make it at home, it doesn't look like the photograph. It takes a lot to make it look like that photograph because, you know, I've got to have the presentation and it's got to, but that's not how we serve it. And we're not eating at rustic farm tables all the time, you know, like the backdrops in my pictures, but, um, did you consider Shane and unpolished Shane? And that is a, you know what? That is actually, that is a, that is a great idea because it's very (laughs) unpolished, but, but no. So I think the, the goal with the, with the cooking demos and things is really breaking down and, and just being as, like I said, as real as possible, because I think that's what holds people back is like, I I can't, people are convinced that I I can't do this or I've got to live near a whole foods or, you know, and that's, that's just not the case. You know, we still buy our groceries at Walmart or some things Mm -hmm. we do have to order on Amazon, but, you know, our pantry's a mess and it's not finished and my spice drawer is not like I want it to look and, you know, and things like that. But it's, it's, I mean, that's real life and that's where we are and that's where we want to meet people. And so the goal is not to have some polished cooking show. It's to have a real cooking presentation and just saying, Hey, here's what we're doing. And so, right. And it, and it isn't so difficult, you know, the Mm -mm. people who say, Oh, I don't know if I can go vegan. It's so much cooking and it's so difficult. No, it isn't. I mean, if you can open a can of beans, rinse the beans, if you can uh, boil water, you can cook grains. Oh, Uh, yeah. You know, things don't have to be so so difficult. Dump it all in a bowl and go. We eat most of our meals are one bowl. Rice, beans, sweet potatoes, black beans, a little salsa. Some greens are good to go. And my wife likes to cook in one pot. Just everything, you know, <laughs> put all the vegetables and the rice and everything in one pot, the beans, and we got a meal. Yeah, that's yeah, that's why I love our instant pot is that's that's I loved it so much I went and bought a second one so we could cook twice as much. Like they're just there you go. I tell people it's one of the best things I have in my kitchen. All right. Well, thank you, Shane, for joining us. It's been and a pleasure, I know Glenn. I'm going to be seeing you around a lot. Oh, and yeah. We will all be looking for the announcements coming of when the uh, the podcast will start. And we will let people know when the book is available. Excellent. Can't and wait. Ev- everybody check out shaneandsimple.com. Thank you for listening and watching, and please remember to subscribe, trying to get 2 million subscribers. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Glenn.